Well, my advice for you today is find smarter people to spend time with. Hey, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's probably time to find a new room. Hey, this is John Tesh, host of Intelligence for Your Life, and you're listening to my good buddy, Dan Miller. You know, finding your purpose and passion is the first step to living out intelligence in your own life. 48 days can show you the way. Now, back to Dan. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, our sponsor today is Casper. Now, not the friendly ghost, rather the friendly mattress people. Hey, I'm going to recommend you get a mattress you can enjoy, a mattress where you wake up rested. That would be Casper. I'll tell you how to connect with them and get a discount on a great mattress here in just an upcoming minute or so. Well, we got a lot to cover today. Got a lot of success stories as usual. Love those success stories coming in. People, you all telling us, sharing your stories about how you took action. And that's the deal. I mean, I appreciate the thank you for material or things you may have heard here. But the real key is you taking action. And I love it when you share what you're doing. Here's some of the things we're going to be talking about. I asked a millionaire to lunch and now I work for him. Well, there's a success story. Last week, I shared some about a single mom from Michigan, five children, husband in prison. Got a flood of offers to help. I'm going to share a couple things there. Help for the single mom from Michigan. Somebody says, I'm seeking a non-traditional way to eliminate or significantly reduce the cost of my daughter's expensive tuition. All right. Should I retire or just keep doing work I love? Hey, guess where I'm going to go with that? You've been listening for more than a nanosecond. You know where I'm going to take that. Should I retire or just continue doing work I love? And then somebody says, Dan, how much of a nest egg do I need to start buying and selling cars? Well, here's our quotation for today. It comes from Warren Buffett, who said, it's better to hang out with people better than you. Pick out associates whose behavior is better than yours and you'll drift in that direction. Wow, that's pretty easy to do. You know, I mean, just find people who are already performing at the level which you want to perform. And that's the way to go with that. Well, here's another quotation. Now, this comes from the Bible. You've heard me talk about this before. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25 says, keep away from angry, short tempered men, lest you learn to be like them and endanger your soul. I mean, this idea of hanging around people who are performing better than you are, so it'll pull you up, is not just a casual thought. It's a command from the Bible. You're in danger if you hang around angry, complaining, whining, sarcastic, critical people. You tend to become like them. You don't want that. You need to move on. And there's ways we can do that. You know, we've talked about how to not have to spend time with negative people, even if those are family, relatives, how to limit that, how to put some balance on it. Sometimes you need to have what we call necessary endings. There's a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud titled Necessary Endings. Sometimes when you're in a new season of life, you just need to recognize it's time to move on in multiple ways. But let me tell you about my friends at Casper. Now you've heard me talk about, you know, the, we have a Casper mattress in our guest room in our house. Now we have quite a few sleeping places, 
but I mean people stand in line, people that come regularly for events, stay at our house like Javana Ellison and Kent Julian and Brian Dixon, Jen McDonough. I mean, people who usually have the opportunity to stay at our house whenever they come here for an event, they line up way in advance to be sure that they get the room with a Casper mattress in it. It's that popular. It gives you a sleep that allows you to wake up rested, ready to go for sure. Here's the URL I want you to visit. Go to casper.com slash sleep you love. How's that for a code? Sleep you love. Casper.com sleep you love. You're going to get a $50 discount on a mattress and it's going to be delivered right to your door. I mean, that's a really big deal not to have to go down to the store, tie it on the top of your car, risk having it blow off in the way home. Now it comes right to your door. Now they do some pretty ingenious packaging, obviously, but it comes in a box and you better have it in a room you want it in permanently when you open the box because it's going to expand. And it's not some little fluffy plastic thing. It's a full-blown mattress. They compress it to ship it. When you open it up, you got an amazing mattress. So go to casper.com slash sleep you love and then use as the code sleep you love to get that discount last week i talked about having lunch with a millionaire i mean i talked about that being step 47 in the 48 days steps go to lunch with a millionaire continue to get lots of cool stories and i talked about well Giovanna ellison who has now had lunch with seven millionaires in the last months just people she identified ask line those up Dr. David Powers talked about the fact that he had just had a lunch with Tim Ferriss because of a unique approach where his little boy entered a contest, 10-year-old son entered a contest that was not open to anyone under 18. Well, he did it anyway and ended up winning the contest, and they just had a lunch with Tim Ferriss. Well, I got a note from Shay Gardner who says this, Dan, I followed your counsel two and a half years ago to have a lunch with a millionaire. I was working as a collections agent at a waste management company at the time and took a half day to do this lunch. He was a leading innovator in the internet realm. I met him with for lunch. The lunch went well. I got to know him and his habits. He even gave me some things to work on. It was awesome. Two months after that lunch, I quit my collections job to accept the job with that millionaire. This led me to my current job where I get to talk every day to millionaires and help them automate their businesses. Thanks for the push to meet with a millionaire. It can be done if we ask. Well, uh, what, what an awesome thing. Again, the power of simply expecting and asking. Congrats to you, Shay, on taking action. And congrats on the doors that have magically opened for you. Isn't it amazing how lucky you get when you take appropriate action? That's the deal. That's the way you get there. Okay, well, let's, this comes from Troy. I'm going to go on with some success stories here, some others and additions to Jay. This comes from Troy who says, I feel a little guilty emailing you, but I'm excited to give you an update. I've been feeling very down in my day. J-O-B bought the new version of 48 Days, followed the letter strategy in the book. I received a call from an HR representative about a week after I sent my resume telling me basically, don't call us, we'll call you. I was disappointed, but kept at it. A week later, a former coworker of mine mentioned they were hiring at a major movie, movie studio in Los Angeles. I applied, and in less than three weeks, I sold my house and moved to L.A. I'd been threatening to move back for almost 15 years, and it suddenly happened. Attitude and action matter. Well, yes, they do. Troy, it's interesting that you sent out you know, one resume, and they called you and said, hey, don't call us, we'll call you. 
Yeah, that's why I suggest in 48 Days to the Work You Love in the job search strategy that you identify 30 to 40 companies. It's in doing that that we get the stories where people are getting four and five job offers. Not in identifying one company and applying to one. That's not a job search strategy. That's just putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, that's going to give you a one in a million shot of getting any kind of results. Don't do that. So, hey, congratulations on keeping moving even after one discouraging response and recognizing that it's in the power of those numbers. Now, when I say 30 or 40, you may think that's a lot, but people are used to sending out, you know, a thousand resumes, just automating the process and hoping to get some response from that. That's not a good plan. It's not a matter of just more is always better. It's a matter of having a strategy. So my plan, my recommendation in the 48 days job search strategy is not to send out a thousand resumes, but rather to identify 30 to 40 companies where you would like to work, where you'd like to be connected with them. I mean, if you love where you live, then identify 30 to 40 companies that are within 10 miles of where you live. I mean, you're in the driver's seat. But if you identify those companies and then do a three-step process of contacting them with an introduction letter, then a cover letter and resume, then a phone follow-up, that's the process that invariably gets results for people. Those numbers work again and again and again. Well, thanks for your note. Well, this comes from Vicki. It says, long-time listener to your podcast, this is what's happened in the last five years. I've gone from being a truck driver to a car salesman. Now, besides selling cars, I took action on my, de- my idea and launched the planet's first Indian business career podcast. The content of my podcast is weekly interviews with Indian entrepreneurs around the world. I've structured my interview questions based upon um, Entrepreneur on Fire podcast and adapted my own style and culture. Oh, and during this process, I changed my legal name because I realized the importance of one's name as well, thanks to one of your shows about your son, Jared. Now, Vicky's there. Vicky, Vicky, her last name is Coley, K-O-H-L-I. So apparently changed her name, as did my son, Jared, whose last name is no longer Miller. It's Angaza, which is a Swahili word for instrument of light. It was a process Jared's mom and I were very supportive of, had a lot of fun helping him in the research, and his last name is legally on Gaza. Well, anyway, Vicky says, since my market is India, where podcasts are not very popular at the moment, I'm taking this opportunity of educating Indians about using podcasting as a free ongoing educational tool. My podcast is called Kuchkaro, which means take action. Jeez, I love that. Kuchkaro. Dan, please accept my heartiest gratefulness and keeping us encouraged through your love for us and showing us the way. Thank you for encouraging us to keep looking for our God-given talent to serve him through his, through, through his humanity. As for my vision for this podcast, I plan to do this full time and achieve my goal of working from home one of these days. Thanks, Vicki. Well, thank you, Vicki from Calgary, Alberta, Canada for that update and your success story. Again, thanks for taking action. Sounds awesome. This comes from Carlos from California. Dan, your advice has helped me make some major decisions over the past few years from leaving the Marine Corps to real estate to starting a business. I was chasing two rabbits, decided to leave the real estate rabbit because I wasn't enjoying it. I followed the rabbit I started six months ago, 3D photography. My company is called Tour It Now Inc. And I provide a new type of virtual tour for real estate agents. 
I'm going to hire my first employee in the next few weeks and working on partnerships with the top realtors in my area. I see this product becoming completely mainstream in the next few years and used in many industries. I just want to be a part of it. The best advice I heard from you was to stop chasing two rabbits, take action, and don't look back. You can check it out at touritnow.com. Well, I did, Carlos, check that out, and your video work is stinking amazing. I love the way you can stand in one place in the room and do a 360 turnaround and see the whole room or step outside, go up in the air. I mean, see the other, see the whole house from a vantage point, any, any point that you want. Golly, astounding work. Love it when somebody takes just a common idea, you know, having pictures of a house for real estate agents, but when they just add a unique value to that. And that's one of the old principles talked about by masters of success like Brian Tracy. You can get wealthy by simply doing something 10% better. You don't have to start something from scratch. You don't have to do something that's never been heard of before. Just do something 10% better or provide added value from what's being done now. That's made millionaires time and time again. Well, let me move on here. Christina says, I'm a huge fan of both your 48 books, days book and your podcast. Thanks so much for spreading your encouraging message. Two years ago, I was unhappy at my job, but felt badly about leaving since I spent seven years in college training for it. Boy, isn't that a common story? I mean, somebody graduates from school, took the seven-year plan. They got $80,000 in student loan debt. They feel locked. They feel trapped into trying to do something in that field of study, even though it may not be appealing to them or they may not be opportunities there anymore. Golly, don't do that. I mean, consider that education is part of who you are. That can never be taken away, but it certainly doesn't lock you into narrow options in terms of career or business. Well, hey, let me stop in my rant here and go back to Christina's note. She says, my fiance bought me the 48, now husband bought me the 48 days book. We made a plan for me to start my own business, doing what I love, cooking and scaling down recipes to serve just two people. I'm now a successful food blogger with two cookbooks on the bestseller list. I would love to send you the books as a thank you for everything you've done for my career and happiness. I heard you and your wife are recent empty nesters. The recipes in my cookbooks all serve too. Let me know where I can send these books. I'd be happy to put them in the mail for you. Well, thank you so much, Christine. I already sent you a note. Um, by the time you're hearing this, sent you a note. I'd be delighted to receive those. And Joanne is a wonderful, wonderful cook and hostess. And I was always open to new ideas in that department. I did take a quick jump on Amazon. You're not kidding. My gosh, you got two great books there. Brand new one that just came out last month. Comfort and Joy, Cooking for Two. Incidentally, that's a great title. Comfort and Joy. I mean, right out of Mozart's Messiah. Comfort and Joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. I mean, I love that. What a great title. Comfort and Joy. Two very appealing words, cooking for two. Well, we'll look forward to getting your cookbook. And again, congratulations on taking action on that. Uh, this comes from Joy. Let's see, I got to shorten this a little bit here. Joy's pretty, got pretty wordy here. Firstly, thank you for breathing life into dreams, providing practical wisdom, and for reminding us to keep our eyes on the ultimate goal, living lives that truly matter. When my family moved, okay, I'm going to skip some. When my family moved to the United States in 97 from Nim. Namambia in Southern Africa. I had one year left of high school and absolutely no concept of what I wanted to do. 
or B for that matter. I paid my way through two years of community college, dabbling in massage therapy and fitness instruction, but never feeling my soul ignite at the thought of either of those. After a fun stint in radio, I met and married my husband a few years later, and we had our daughter. I desperately wanted to stay home with her and ask God to show me how I could do what that, what I could provide so that I could do that and light something in my heart at the same time. Soon afterwards, someone asked me to design the wedding invitations and seating chart for their wedding, as they had heard I had a knack for design. And I said, yes. Then I promptly Googled, what is a seating chart? And oh yes, the rest is the sweetest history of God's goodness and faithfulness in my business adventure. I jokingly say I have a PhD. Now check this out. She says, I have a PhD from Bugu Pod University. Bugu Pod. Now, if you think a minute, you'd probably know there what Joy is talking about. That is the University of Books, Google, and Podcast. Is that cool? That's pretty cool. A PhD from Bugu Pod University. I've quite literally Googled and YouTube my way through graphic design software and have over the past eight years built a business that has connected me with clients across the United States and abroad. Better yet, I'm a writer and speaker for women's events and conferences and have since written and published a book. I'm working on my second. I also mentor and coach young women in business, marriage, and life, and I've just launched an online store selling products I've designed and created. This was a huge fear of mine selling online, but I decided to water the seed of bravery and starve the fear. There's a great line. Water the seed of bravery and starve the fear. I should note that with teacher, pastor, parents, I didn't have a business bone in my in my body growing up, but over the past few years, through entrepreneurial groups, podcasts, books, and online communities. I'm learning what it looks like to run a business, develop my leadership skills, and dream bigger than I ever have before. My husband and I just celebrated our 12th anniversary last week, and over dinner, we're reflecting back on the past decade and swooning over God's faithfulness and sneakiness. We would have never imagined we'd be where we are today. We are quite literally living our dream and moving full steam ahead. All this to say, thank you for placing value and following your heart and passion rather than just blindly marching off to college because it's a thing to do. Blessings, Joy McMillan. Now, Joy's site is simplybloom.org. Joy, I pulled up your site. What a delightful site. I love your byline where passion and purpose collide. Geez, right out of my playbook. I love that where passion and purpose collide. And Joy describes herself like this. I'm, I'm Joy, a simple seed planner and fire starter. I help empower women to embrace their stories, their life, live their passions, and love their lives. I screwed that up. I need to read that again. I help empower women to embrace their stories, live their passions, and love their lives. The less, nutshell, less nutshell version would read more like this. Speaker, writer, freelance graphic designer, mentor, and life coach, African girl, Wife and mom, lover of life, speaker of truth, hugger of people, creator of the We Roar Project, obsessive tea drinker, hot mess saved by grace, born in South Africa, grew up in Nambia, and currently reside across the pond with my family in Michigan. Wow, what a great sight. What a great presentation, Joy. Again, congratulations on taking action on educating yourself. Boy, that is just such a hot potato right now. I just got back from a high school reunion. Now I went to 
Eastern Mennonite High School. So it was a boarding school connected with EMU, Eastern Mennonite University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So Joanna and I just went down there for a few days. It was wonderful seeing old friends and still have family members there and seeing some of my college teachers, some of the professors there. But at the same time, it was somewhat disappointing when I talked to a lady, just a delightful lady who is a writing professor. In being a writing professor, my first thought is, what have you written? Well, when I asked her that as gently as I could, she lit up and told me about a manuscript she's been working on. It is really an interesting topic. I said, well, you know, are you going to get it published? She has no clue how to get it published. She's been working on a manuscript for six years and is terrified of talking to a publisher about it for the fear of rejection. This is a writing instructor at a university. How is that possible? She wasn't, she wasn't familiar with the options in publishing, how publishing has changed. How the, she wasn't even familiar with things like CreateSpace, which is the self-publishing arm of Amazon. You can take any manuscript there this afternoon and have it on Amazon before the sun goes down. Why wouldn't you just get it out there? But again, once, once again, just disappointed with the academic process. Well, we'll skip by some of that. I, the comments continue to percolate through my mind. Some of the conversations I had with people in, again, the academic community that just are not very encouraging. I cringe to think uh, the ideas that are being implanted in the next generation here, if they think that's really education, how can we equip people to do something that matters to come up with marketable skills, to do what joy has done here. You need to learn from books, podcasts, and Google. So be it, but at least end up with something that you can enjoy your life, blend your passion and purpose and make some money in the process. Well, that's what we teach here. Hope you enjoy that. Hope you join the ranks of what we're talking about right here. You better believe it. These are the champions. These are the people we love to talk about every week. People who have taken action. Not just people who filled their heads with information, but people moved through to understanding and application and did something with it. Hey, I'd love to hear your story. If you got a story of success, just go to the 48days.com site. Click on Ask Dan. It'll take you right to a place where you can share your story of success. We'll work that into an upcoming show. Well, hey, we're right on track. We're just about at the halfway point. This keeps expanding. I started out thinking that we would spend maybe five minutes at the beginning with success stories before we get into the hard questions that people ask. But you all respond so greatly to the success stories that we keep expanding that. So it's gotten to be a third and sometimes like today, almost a half of what we're doing. I think that's as valuable as anything. We can learn the principles for moving to success by hearing from you that have actually done it perhaps more so than you that are struggling. We want to hear both. Feel free to continue to send in questions for both, but I do love those success stories. Well, this is kind of a success story too, in a way, but it starts with last week. I talked about uh, somebody sent in, said I have a single mom friend who's having problems breaking free. Three years ago, she was a stay at home mom until her husband was convicted of sexual assault and his daughter. Now he's in prison. She's finding, trying to find ways to support Five kids ages five to teenagers. Well, 
I talked about that a little bit last week, talked about the career assisting programs that are out there, but I also threw in my firm belief that getting a job is probably not going to be a solution for this lady. Now you may wonder why is that not the goal? We need to help her find a good job, but I'll just think about the logistics of that. Five children ranging in ages five up to teenagers. How can a mom responsibly be gone from eight o'clock to five o'clock and really add an hour on the beginning and the end of that with travel time prep and getting ready and all that. So be gone from seven to six and in the day when she's got five small children, it just doesn't work. And I mean, think about the math on that. What if she found a $20 an hour job? Now, I don't know what marketable skills she had. We do know that she's in Southern Michigan near Kalamazoo. Um, the writer of the question last week shared that so we can connect her with some resources there. But $20 an hour, that's $800 a week. How does that work? Try to figure that out with rent, utilities, cars, responsibilities of having five children. It's pretty tough to make that work. There's got to be something where this lady has more potential than just getting an hourly wage job. Well, as usual, you, the listeners, responded in just amazing ways. Let me just give you a couple quick responses here. Had people respond, said, yes, you know, they'd be willing to work with her. You know, we're going to connect coaches with this lady. We're going to get her other resources. But ultimately, I love this. I picked this one out. This comes from Liz. Liz, and last name is NG, and frankly, I don't know how to pronounce a last name with no vowels in it. So Liz, I'm not sure how that works, but anyway, thank you for your input here. And she says, Dan, I'd like to start by saying how much I appreciate your podcast and books. They've transformed my worldview. They've unleashed my creativity and my willingness to take a chance. I haven't reached out to you personally up until now, but I was moved to take action by your last podcast. Last week, you mentioned a woman who is struggling as a single mother of five. You mentioned that your listeners might have ideas and services to offer free of charge. At first, I didn't think the call to action applied to me. But as you talked on, I realized that I might have something to offer. You mentioned that the type of work best suited to a single mom is a home-based business, flexible enough to allow her older children to lend a helping hand. Your comment struck a chord with me. My husband and I have spent the last couple of years building eBay and Etsy stores. And a few months ago, inspired by your podcast, I put together a short ebook on how to get started in online resale. I haven't yet released it to the public, but I plan to launch it on Amazon.com in the very near future. I also plan to promote it via my brand new website, thrifttoriches.com. My book is called Thrift to Riches, A Modern Treasure Hunt, How to Find Products to Sell Online. I've attached a PDF version of the 46-page manual. I would very much appreciate it if you would forward it to the single mom in the hopes that it might give her hope and empower her to build a profitable online business for herself. Thanks for taking the time to reach, read my email. I was nervous about reaching out, but I was inspired by the words of your 48 days song. It's a beautiful day. Don't let it go. So here it goes. Liz, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out with that. I looked at your PDF. On Thrift to Rich is a modern treasure hunt. How to find products to sell online. It's delightful. I love the way you went through just the common ordinary things. I mean, if you, uh, you had a, a couple family members die. And in going through their things, rather than just hauling it down to Goodwill or whatever, you identified 
individual products on there that might have value online. I mean, even things like fishing lures. I mean, I love that. Going through your dad's fishing lures and um, I found a fishing lure and I got a picture of it here. We listed it online, accepted a best offer of $390 soon after listing it for sale. Now, who would have thought a fishing lure? But again, I love the fact that you just went through ordinary things that you can find in your garage, your attic, garage sales, down the street, whatever. You might even find things at Goodwill or Salvation Army that you can put online. Now, we have a whole lot of stories about that. I've talked about, you know, my new friend, Greg Murphy, who's selling 15 ton of books. I mean, processing 15 ton of books where they then sell about 20% of those back on Amazon. Buys them by the pound. So he's not buying them by the book. He buys them by the pound and then sells them online. But the success stories about what people are doing online, that's a perfect option for this lady. And I will definitely forward that on to her. Thank you again for sharing that. And incidentally, we'll keep watching your site, thrifttoriches.com. So when that's available for the public there, we'll help promote that as well because it is really well done. I see a lot of those things. A lot of them are pretty complex and technical. Yours is not. I appreciate the simplicity of what you're sharing, how to get online and do well in business. Now, this comes from Colleen, who says, my daughter's a freshman in a private small school that she absolutely loves. As you can imagine, the school is very expensive, so I'm seeking a non-traditional way to eliminate or significantly reduce the cost of tuition. I would like to approach the school to offer myself as a consultant in exchange for my daughter's tuition cost. I'm a research professional with the education and experience to conduct extensive market research projects, but I'm not currently working in a consultant capacity. Do you recommend I approach the school with a formal business proposal or open a more informal discussion to assess their needs and openness to the idea? Thanks for all your time and all you do with the 48 Days community. Well, Colleen, I think you're right on track. That's not unreasonable at all to create some kind of barter agreement where you offer services to the school. I mean, we know that typically if you're an employee of the school, it doesn't matter what you do. If you pull weeds and mow the grass, you know, your children are going to get greatly reduced, if not free tuition. So for you to propose some kind of benefit to the school where they have no risk, no obligation to, yeah, that's not unreasonable at all. And what you talk about, do you need an informal discussion first? Yes, absolutely. What you have to do is have what we call a discovery meeting first. There's no reason to propose a solution if you aren't clear on what the need is. I mean, that's part of any selling process. I mean, when we sell anything, doesn't matter what it is, we go through a process where the percentages are 40, 30, 20, and 10. The 40% is building rapport and trust. If people don't trust you, it doesn't matter if you got $10 bills for eight bucks, they aren't going to buy. So you have to build trust. I assume as a parent, you've already done that. So they know you trust you. You have a relationship built there. 30% is identifying need. So if you're knocking on somebody's door and you're selling vacuum cleaners, you know, if they tell you they just bought a brand new Electrolux last week, yeah, they don't really have a need. Don't waste your time doing your presentation move on to the next door. Same thing is true here. You got to identify the need. And that's what this discovery meeting would be. What is it that they're lacking? What is it that having some research would help them? You know, is it identifying the prospective students for the next year, knowing which 
neighborhoods to canvas that are most likely to have appropriately matched students. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do, but yeah, have that discovery meeting. 20% then is your product presentation or product knowledge. So again, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're selling cars, furniture, jewelry, real estate, 20% is product knowledge. So the fact that you are an expert in that area, that's fine, but it's not 100%, it's 20%. But then having developed rapport and trust, the 40%, 30% identify the need, then the 20%, yes, you propose a solution. And if you've done all that well, then only 10% remains and that's gaining commitment. That's just a small part of the process. So you don't need to be, you know, if you do the other parts well, it's an easy process to essentially close the sale, but we don't call it closing the sale these days. We call it gaining commitments. Well, hey, just a reminder there, you are listening to real questions from real people just like you and me, the kind of things we're all confronted with. Love going through these. As you know, this is one of the highlights of my week. We get to open that magic mailbox where all these questions come in. You can submit a question for an upcoming show. Just go to 48days.com, click on Ask Dan. You can submit it there or just shoot it into askdan at 48days.com. Just an email to askdan at 48days.com. This comes from JT who says, my question is this. I'm starting a business where I make handmade custom leather products. I make wallets, belts, purses, motorcycle seats, holsters, and much more. I know I need to zero in on something more specific and perfect, perfect that category of leather goods. How do I go about finding out the market need of those items? And if there is a market, say for something specific like motorcycle seats, my goal is to eventually make horse saddles and horse tack, but I don't know how to look up that market or where to begin. Thanks for taking the time to answer my question. Any advice is much appreciated. And this comes from JT. Well, JT, golly, I love what you're, what you're doing. There are so much opportunity to specialize in leather products. And I would agree with you and encourage you to do exactly that. Now, it seems that you could do research pretty quickly to identify, is there a need for motorcycle seats or in horse saddles and horse tack? I mean, obviously the, the equestrian arena is a large group of individuals. There's hundreds of thousands of people who have horses and treat them better than they treat their children. So, you know, they're spending money is my point there. So I think that's a pretty hot area to focus in. Sure. Find out due due diligence is what it's called. Due diligence, D U E diligence. That's checking out who's already in that arena. Who else is making products, leather products there? You know, how are they getting promoted? What are their prices? Can you be competitive? All those kind of things. But here's some things to check out. Check out anthologygearwear.com. That's my friend Brian Griffith. I'm going to tell you about some people here that I know personally that are in the leather arena and are doing extremely well. Anthology Gearwear. Now, Brian is the owner of that. <laughs> he, he does guitar straps. Now, think about that. I mean, guitar, guitar straps are something that just, you know, you think, ah, that's really common. You can get them anywhere. You can get them at Walmart. Yeah, but you can't get the kind of thing that he creates. His guitar straps are a piece of art. I mean, really? Now, here's an example of how you get traction and how you get to the, the top of the pack. I connected Brian with Chad Jeffers. 
Chad Jeffers just happens to be lead guitarist for Carrie Underwood. You probably heard that name. Well, you know, she was like on American Idol. I mean, a whole lot of other things. And here's Chad flaunting that guitar strap on national TV in front of millions of people that came from Brian Griffith at Anthology Gearwear. I mean, those are the kind of things that are possible. That's not something that comes from having a million-dollar advertising budget. It's a matter of having connections, that you nurture relationships, ask for introductions, and doors of opportunity open. Check out SaddlebackLeather.com. That's our buddy Dave Munson. Uh, Dave was bringing back briefcases from Mexico. This was years ago. You know, he'd park his Range Rover in a parking lot on a Saturday morning, hang those handbags from the roof rack of his Range Rover and sell them. Well, that grew into what is now Saddleback Leather, an amazing company out of San Antonio. And their slogan is they'll fight over it when you're dead. That's the kind of fan loyalty they have from people who use products from Saddleback Leather. They'll fight over it when you're dead. But check out the specific kind of things, you know, travel gear that he makes things to carry your computer and your luggage and so on. Then there's also one that's really brand new, and this is Mer- Mission Mercantile. MissionMercantile.com. Our good friend and coach, Chuck Bowen, CEO of that company, they have just come online. After a lot of research development, they manufactured their own things in Mexico. And, I mean, it, the stuff is just classy over the top. Yeah, you can do leather goods, but zero in, do a little bit of research, ask people, find something that is your niche, something that you're going to be identified by. He's the go-to guy. JT's the go-to guy for leather products in this arena. Hey, have fun with it. Keep us posted on your progress. I want to hear a success story here when you find your niche and then rock and roll with that. Henry says, Dan, wondering on what you would call retirement. I love this question. This is cool. Henry says, I work seven to nine days a month in my small business, netting low six figures. So he's working seven to nine days a month, making $100,000 a year. He says, I love this work, but wonder if I should retire from it. I'm 59 years old. I also have passive income from real estate and other investments. The rest of the time, I have to do other projects in business or relaxation. I'm thinking it would be great to do this for at least 10 more years. Am I living the 48 days lifestyle and just not knowing it? Thanks, Henry. Oh my gosh, Henry, what do you think I'm going to say? I mean, think about it. What is the goal of retirement? Isn't it to get up and do only what you want to do? Now, the way you describe this, I love this work, but I wonder if I should retire. Why would you retire from something that you enjoy doing before the day you die? I mean, literally. You're 59 years old. I mean, with the average lifespan, you might be around another 30 years. You want to spend 30 years looking at the ceiling, trying to make yourself enjoy fishing or golf? Do what you love doing. I mean, that's, you better believe it. That's the 48 days lifestyle. That is exactly it. There's no good reason for retiring. I cringe at saying the word because it implies a whole lot of things that are very distasteful to me. It implies that, okay, I'm going to quit doing what I hate doing so I can just kind of figure out doing nothing. No, I mean, that's why retirement pales in attraction 
if somebody has done exactly what you're doing, Henry, if they figure out what they're doing, why would retirement have any appeal? If you thought the goal, if you thought the American dream was just to accumulate enough money for yourself so you wouldn't have to worry about having groceries in the, in the cupboards, you know, until you die, I mean, what, what, what kind of a selfish, narcissistic, greedy goal is that? I mean, if, if that's the goal and you accomplish that, then yeah, then you would think, well, okay, I need to retire. No. I mean, the, the point of every day is to do something meaningful, productive, purposeful, worthwhile, bring hope and encouragement to other people, make the world a better place. I mean, those kind of things, I mean, that's going to continue. That has nothing to do with making money. If money is a byproduct of doing all those things, then so be it. There's a lot of ways to funnel money into increasing your opportunities to do good. Boy, you are, you do not need to retire. Don't you dare tell me that you retire. It would be irresponsible, poor stewardship, selfish. And I can add a whole lot of other adjectives on there for you to retire based on what it is you're telling me that you're positioned in right now. Nope. Put in those next 10 years and then, then let's talk again. Yeah. When you're 69, we'll have the conversation again. And you know what my advice is going to be exactly the same as it is now. Well, <laughs> you know, I know we have a lot of people who are retired who, who listen to this and I, I suppose you can make a case for it. I, I can't imagine what it would be. I mean, make a case for me retiring. I mean, why would I do that? Why would I just stop doing the very things that I enjoy? What would I retire to? I I can't figure out what that would be. I can't figure out what I would enjoy doing more than what I'm doing. And yet what I'm doing is still to what looks to the outsiders, I suppose, as working every day. I love having the opportunity to do what I do every, every day. You can call it work, play, hobby. I don't care what you call it. But as long as I enjoy it, it's productive, fulfilling, I'm going to continue doing it. Well, Heath says, thank God for irritating work colleagues. Now, this is kind of an interesting slant. I refer to a recent article that someone wrote on your site entitled, My Work is Killing Me. That is how I feel most of the time in my job. Let me explain. I wrote to you recently about my debut novel, The Shamanic Prophecy, which you were kind enough to feature recently. I work as cabin crew for a major UK airline and all that my colleagues want to do is meet for breakfast and go shopping, which is mind-numbingly boring. I don't have a question as such, but just to let others know that the lack of motivation in others can be an inspiration in itself. Okay, instead of getting irritated, use that energy to seek something better for yourself. Am I the only person in this position I sure I'm sure I'm not. Oh, no. Trust me. There's a whole lot of people out there for whom the irritation of other coworkers is a motivation for them to do something specifically. I love that. That's a great perspective. Okay. Let me, uh, let me go this. You know, this one may be the last one because I love this and I wanted to get to this one. Bob says, I'm intrigued about how you purchased cars. You've said that you buy old cars three to four year old or that you buy three to four year old models that have experienced their initial depreciation, but still hold value. You buy when they are offered for a great price, drive them for a year or two, polish them up and sell and still make a thousand or two profit. I'd like to do the same, but how do I get started? Won't I need a significant amount of cash or go into debt to make that first purchase? 
or should I save up for a few years before I start looking? Your advice and ideas are appreciated. Well, yeah, I love your question, Bob. Let's just unpack this a little bit. For one thing, you don't need a big nest egg. Now, I'm not sure what you're talking about there, but as an example, I have a little car sitting right here by my office. That I, I just keep it around. People borrow it all the time. It's an 06 Suzuki a station wagon. I mean, it is like brand new. The people bought it brand new. I bought it from the original owners. It had like 110,000 miles on it. I paid $2,500 for the car. Now, that's really underpriced. But when I looked at it on Craigslist, they were about an hour outside of Nashville in a very remote area. I knew immediately that not many people would take the time to drive all the way out there to see it. Joanne and I did. I said, hey, let's go for a ride. We went out and talked to them, delightful couple, really neat to work with, you know, negotiated, and I bought it for $2,500. Now, that, that ought to be a car that I could make $1,000 on if I wanted to sell it. Now, I don't have that intention because it's just great to have around. It's extremely reliable. Again, has never been abused. It looks like a brand new car, and I just like having it around as a loaner. But if you had $2,500, you can buy cars all day long. You can get really nice cars out there where you could theoretically make you know, 500 to $1,000 on them at least, even with that small investment. Now, when you get into a little more expensive cars, but if you're going to buy cars and flip them, if that's your real intent, you're going to buy cars and resell them. I would encourage you to stay under $5,000. It's more risky and you have more potential to be able to sell things quickly to people who have a little cash if it's under $5,000 than if you have a $20,000 car. And with a $20,000 car, you'll get somebody, oh, gee, yeah, I want this. Well, I'll go to my bank next Tuesday when I can get off work and see if I can get fine. Yeah, I mean, you run into all those complications. No, it's a whole lot easier if you're under $5,000. Now, I buy cars from a whole lot of sources. I buy cars from garage sales, Craigslist, eBay, repo auctions. I mean, I like to buy cars from repo auctions. I mean, in any town you live in. I mean, here in Nashville, there's all kinds of repo auctions that I can go to. And people just simply were over their heads. The car you can get, I mean, a lot of times for 50 cents on a dollar, check it out mechanically, make sure it's okay. Put it back in the street, clean it up, put it in your front yard and make a thousand bucks. But yeah, I'd stay under $5,000. So no, you don't need a whole lot of money to do that. Not at all. Well, I'll tell you what. Hey, you know what? In thinking about this, check this out. You know, I talk about cars a lot. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of you appreciate my enthusiasm for cars. I grew up when cars were really something to enjoy. And, and there were so many songs written about cars. Remember this one about a GTO? 389, four-speed. Man, those are the kind of cars that I still enjoy. And it, really, there's a lot of them out there. And my personal driver is a pretty hot ride right now but you know you can find cars if you're ready here's the deal about buying cars let me just comment on that a little bit and we'll wrap up um i'm never in a hurry but i'm always ready that's one of my key principles to doing so well in buying cars if i go out on a saturday and i have to buy a car you know i'm going to whip into a dealership incidentally i buy a lot of cars from dealers Dealers are great to buy from. I mean, frankly, a lot of people think, no, you could never buy from a dealer. No, a lot of times individuals are unrealistic about what they think their cars are worth. Dealers know the market. 
And if there's something that doesn't fit the category that they sell typically, well, I, I buy stuff there. I mean, I've got a car that I'm selling today as we speak. Uh, it's a Mercedes SUV that I bought from a dealer. And I've driven it. We're doing and doing exactly what we're talking about here. But I'm always ready, but never in a hurry. That means, you know, I always have. Well, I have to be careful about what I, what I share here. But I mean, I, I'm ready in terms of having cash, cash money to go out and look for cars. It's amazing what people will do just to get something off their plate or allow them to make a change that they want to make. If you have the cash and are ready at a particular time, ready to go, always ready, never in a hurry. Hey, that's my, that's, that's my encouragement for being extremely successful in the car business. You can do it too. Well, we're out of time. Hey, I love this opportunity to talk through these real life questions, opportunities, you know, problems lead to opportunities. I mean, we all have challenges. Thank goodness, life would be boring without those, but it's in the challenges that we uncover our own unique opportunities. Just like you hear from these success stories and the questions that then lead to unique opportunities for those people. So don't try to live a life free of challenges and problems. Maybe your success is gonna plateau as soon as that happens. So just recognize this is an ongoing process. Welcome the process. And hey, thanks so much for being part of the community we've got going here. We can help you with some 48 days resources. Let us know how we can do that most effectively. Check out what's happening at 48days.net, that growing community of people who are pursuing their ideas. They're taking action, making things happen. And thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. This could be your chance, so take it. The keys are in your hands.